everyone, and welcome to Minute 49 of Season 5 of the Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and I'm really, really pleased because I have a guest that is perfect for today. I mean, not that Die Hard 2 deals with what we're going to about to talk about, but, you know, today is July 20th, so, you know, just... Uh, let's see, how many years ago was it? 50, 54 years ago uh, is the first time that uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon. So, you know, the, what perfect person to have to talk about Die Hard on, the, on, on uh, I guess it's called, is it Lunar Day? I don't even know what it's called. Is uh, Jim O'Kane of uh, so many things, but, but mainly I wanted to, you know, emphasize his Apollo 13 minute. Wow. Well, thank, thanks, Rob. I, I I appreciate being on this weekend, especially especially this week. I mean, it's uh, it, it wasn't on purpose. Years. It just worked, you know. No, but serendipity. That's yes. uh, But uh, we yeah we had um, and I'm probably one of the few movies by minute podcasters that can remember the first moon landing. So it was uh, uh quite a uh, an amazing uh, Sunday watching the watching the moon landing in the afternoon here, and then uh, staying up late to, uh, to to watch Neil take those first steps. Yeah, yeah, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't say that. I was. It was five years before I was born. So, you know. nope. <laughs> I, wow. I, well, yeah. It's hopefully yeah, in this life I wasn't next, there. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll see the you'll see the next moon landing hopefully. So that hopefully coming up very soon. Yeah, but I, the question um, is is whether it'll be as you know uh, profound as as that original one was. I, I don't know. I I have a feeling that it's not going to be as. I mean, you know that I'm a fan of From the Earth to the Moon, uh, as you are too. You know, and I love watching it, and I love watching the information. You know, the all the, all the episodes, uh, and each of the moon landings, the way that they show them very differently, and stuff like that. So for me, it's always an emotional thing watching uh, either the original uh, viewing of it, of of uh, you know of of the eagle landing, or any of the others that I've seen either you know live footage of, or not live footage, recorded footage of. Or yep. uh, reenactments from um, from, and I've really enjoyed them. But but as much as I want us to go back to the moon, I don't know if I'm as excited now as 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 I would have expected myself to have been. Let's put that way. Maybe when it happens, something will be different. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's going to be different in the fact that it'll probably be you know, in 4k and it, they'll probably have, uh, multiple cameras hanging outside of the ship as they take their next steps on the moon. And it'll just, it'll feel, it'll feel very, uh, immediate. I think when I, I can remember as a kid watching those very grainy pictures on a, you know, black, a, a black and white video image of uh, this blurry astronaut coming down a ladder. Um, it was exciting because part of it was theater of the mind. You were kind of imagining what you were seeing, um, you know, it, 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 it feels, it, it felt like you were, you were a part of it just simply because you were trying to fill in the blanks when you were seeing this blurry image. But, uh, this, yeah, this next time on the moon is just going to be, uh, I, 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 I think it'll still be stirring, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, it, 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 it kind of lacks a first step, but I think just the idea that it's going to be a next step that we're going to, you know, we're going to see see things it'll you know and, and we'll, it, i think you'll you'll feel more participatory in it just simply because the the photos will be so vivid right. okay um, but we'll find out hopefully hopefully soon yeah actually probably people listening to this you know i mean we know that the longevity of podcast people will be li- listening to uh to this podcast in a, a couple of years afterwards and we'll say gosh they really they, either they really got it right or they didn't understand how how much people didn't care. Uh, right. We'll, we'll see. But ho- hopefully it'll, it'll be good. Yeah. But anyway, happy moon day, everybody. Yes. Happy moon day, everybody. <laughs> uh, but let's, get, let's get back to Dulles Airport. Yeah, of course. So, so minute minute 49 begins with Barnes uh, speechless and ends with Thornburg getting antsy in his seat. So we just finished the firefight yesterday. John finally, uh, you know, got rid of uh, three of the guys. I mean, I, I'm still amazed that, that you know, in, in the first movie, John kills everybody, that, that all the bad guys that get killed. There's not there's no one else who manages to kill anybody. Um, but in this one, you know, when, when uh, Shockley was killed last week, so it was actually one of the SWAT guys. 
and through the rest of this movie, if I remember correctly, but we, we will get there. I have a feeling that John is the only one who kills any of them. So, hmm. you know, there's, there's that one unique guy who, you know, John doesn't manage to, to get on his, to, he, he can't make a mark on his, uh, you know, on his, on his gun as to how many people he took out. You know, there's, there's one that's missing. You know, the, the, the dead SWAT guy gets, gets credit for that one. So, yeah. you know, John finally killed, killed uh, Mulkey. And then he and Barnes are sitting on the slideway, slidewalk. Uh, and John looks at his arm and he goes, geez, you all right? And he goes, yeah, yeah. But the antenna array, I got to get to it and set it up. You know, and, and it's funny because like John is is concerned about you know this 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 cut. I mean, I guess John knows about glass. I think that that yeah. has something to do with it. You know, if 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 you want somebody who's going to complain about you know or who's going to understand what it means to to be around all this broken glass, uh, it's John. And uh, yeah, yeah. you know, At least he's, he's got his shoes on this time. That's, that's right. At at this point, he does. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll take them off at some point, or maybe maybe John has learned that he never takes his shoes off. You know, this is a guy. Have, he I, takes baths with his shoes off. You know. Yeah, I, I I have a I have a nit to pick with this with the opening second of this thing. We we get a we get our first. I mean, we've had a couple of close ups, but we didn't see it in relation to the rest of the scene. The slidewalk um, power switch, the power controls. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the red red light, green light thing that's there. It. Of all the set design, which is very, um, this has been spectacular set design. It doesn't look like something that's part of. It doesn't look like it was made by the um, uh, the Otis uh, Escalator Company. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look uh, stock. It looks like a uh, cheap add-on box. And I was just kind of disappointed in the way that. They, I mean, I know that they had to show red light, green light, so that you you know when the power is off or on. But it just it, they could have made it a little bit more sleek, a little more streamlined to the rest of that uh, that curved surface. It just it, it, it's it's a nit and it but it just sits there and bothers me saying this is a movie version of a power switch. Well, it looks like it looks like something that would come out and to go back to, to your movies that you've done, if you've done, it looks like something that came out of the Andromeda strain, you know, with the, with, yeah. with the technology. This is this is, you know, 1971 technology in 1990. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just—it's it, not very. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't match up with the rest of it. Um, it doesn't match yeah, up with the rest um, of it. But but we did talk uh, last week or the week before. I think it was the week before. You know when when we have Trudeau talking to Stewart. You know via the the FAA comm system. You know that also is very yeah. simple. It's it's a a uh, it's just red lights. You know depending on which switch you you turn. Yeah. There's a red light above it. You know, I don't. I don't remember if there's a green light there. So it's it's not red light, green light, one, two, three. It's just red light, red light, one, two, three. <laughs> so exactly, yeah. Yeah. Now I, I understand the nitpick. I I, I do. Uh, obviously, it's not very consequential because the whole point is showing you know whether it's on or off, just green or red. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, they brought in some electrician and said, "That's right, mission accomplished." Accomplished. They brought in an electrician and said, "Okay, we want a red light." If they push this button, and we want a green light. If they push this button, that's it. We'll we'll deal with all the other mechanics of it all. You know, figure it all out. Yeah. So okay, that, that, I, I I do understand. I, I I can hear what what you have to say. And you know, Barnes at this point he's on a mission. You know, the the five squat guys got killed, the the four bad guys got killed. But as far as he's concerned, what's important is that he gets to the antenna array. Now I talked a little bit about this last week with with Heather. Doesn't the whole setup in the antenna array look like something on Endor. Yeah, it's it, it looks yeah, there should be Ewoks crawling all over it. I'm not exactly sure an antenna array why they would need giant uh microwave dishes pointed at the sky. I don't I don't know what kind of satellite transmissions they were expecting. If it's an antenna array to talk to uh planes, it would just be simple either VHF or UHF antennas, which are just pipes basically. I mean the thing the thing at the top of the at the top of the antenna that um that little um pile of uh it, they kind of look like cell cell phone uh antennas. That would be all that it would be needed. Um maybe they're you know providing 
uh, they they show HBO in the terminals or something. I, I'm not sure why you'd need these giant. I mean, they look like they look like two or three meter dishes out there. It just it's way overkill. Okay, it's, it's, especially is, and, is it for for us for those of us who don't know? So it just makes it look like it's it's a lot more uh, sophisticated than it really is. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, all all you'd have if you were just trying to talk to the trying to talk to the planes, you just have little sticks on top of a tower. Um, but uh, I guess you know, just adding a couple of uh, giant uh, microwave dishes onto it makes it look uh, much more uh, important, I guess. Okay. Um, that 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 is fair. Have, and and having such a thing in the middle of what looks like the taxiway, you know, it looks like the gate uh, where where the the taxiway would be for a terminal. It's kind of pointless having it there. Why wouldn't you have it a little bit further from <laughs> from from the middle of the airport? You could put it at the at the edge of the property, but again, that would be something that they wouldn't be able to see. Right, and I, I love um, how they have I, a gate. I they have know, it's gated in. You know, it's a gated community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all just stra- strapped with barbed wire and stuff. So so nobody. I mean, who are they expecting? The ramp rats or the you know the, the baggage handlers that are going to cl- climb in and somehow sabotage it in a what would be? A, I mean, and, and of course, we're looking at this in a pre nine eleven world. So this is a little bit we're we're, we're expecting a little bit looser security. Um, but still, it's just, ah, silly. Um, but that's, you know, never, again, I'm doing that, that silly realism thing. Uh, one thing I do notice about the way that this is edited, um, that they do a jump every, uh, I think it's about every second yes. they do a, a, a zoom in, they, they do the three, which is the same. I mean, we all speak the language of cinema. This is the same, uh, cutting that they use whenever a, a bomb is about to go off with a timer well, it'll say three then zoom in two then zoom in one and then co- then it goes to, every bomb that you see blowing up like that it goes to zero and then it goes beep 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 and then it blows right. up exactly so of course. this is this is that this is that same language so everybody in the audience knows oh it's gonna blow up <laughs> yeah but it, it is funny the way but, that it does jump it gets closer and closer each yeah. time but but you're right. It, it is sounding as if it's time, counting off to something, which which obviously it is. You yeah. know, they make it they make it seem that way. And you know, John is is the one who's on the ball here and realizes it's about to explode, and then you know he screams to to Barnes, get down. <laughs> yeah, and and it really does seem. I mean, like I don't know who um, uh, William Sadler's uh, munitions expert is, but it seems like they really overpack the explosive yes. i mean it, it shouldn't take that much to knock out a you know a, a aluminum tower it, but uh, if it wouldn't be a diehard movie it didn't have massive explosives. that's true but but you can go back to the to, to the uh you know endor analogy and and you know how much <laughs> explosives did they bring to, to to bring that down so you know yes yes just a yeah just a couple of a couple of nukes and it's that's right there you um, go and it, and I, I love the it, way that the, the, the windows shatter now and there's like all this black smoke that comes in showing, yeah. showing how close they really are to this annex skywalk or skywalk annex you know, or however you want to yeah. know. And, uh, you know, because it, it's, it's also funny. I mean, if you go back to, to the fact that, you know, Barnes says, okay, we're, we're here and we see it, you know, how were they expecting to get there? You know, they're, yeah, they're right yeah, now I mean, in the terminal, gonna... so they need to then go out, find find stairs that are going to go down, uh, and then cross over, even if it's just, uh, you know, it, I'm assuming that this antenna array is not as close to the terminal as one would think. There's, there, you know, you still got at least, I don't know, 100, 200 feet uh, away before, uh, before you got to get there also. Because you don't want planes, yeah, you don't want yeah. planes it... uh, running over it. Yeah, no, I think I mean from even if even if it had to be somewhere on the property, wouldn't you just put it on the roof? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it <laughs> doesn't seem like out, out there in the traffic lanes is not a not a thing. Yeah. The, the, but uh, anyway, they'll they'll have to have a discussion with the uh, with the architectural committee once they once they clean up this mess yeah. later. Yeah, and 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 then as the explosion's happening, John like gets on top of Barnes to protect him, which is which is pretty funny because you know like Barnes is the one who's who 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 has this heavy jacket on and, and John's still, you know, only in his, uh, button down shirt, you know, but, yeah. but he's going to save him, you know, he's going to, he's going to protect Burns. Which is, 
which I, I haven't mentioned before, but I really do like that 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 Lands End type of shirt. I have I have many similar. Actually, I'm wearing a Czech shirt right now, but it's a it's a nice grandpa shirt, and I really really like the that. I I think I may have a similar one in my closet, but it's just a I, I do like the that thing. Yeah, yeah, especially you know the way that that John wears it with the you know that how it it you know they I guess they decided that at this point in the movie we 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 can't have him have a a tattered uh you know white t-shirt we already you know been there done that yeah yeah exactly yeah you know and and, and in the third movie um, they have a combination because they have him a white t-shirt but he has one of you know a button down over it that's open the entire movie yeah. so yeah layers that's the whole that's thing. right it's all layers <laughs> and then john looks over he realizes that uh, this this was all planned you know, he, he we and we get to see like the the flames. Basically, that entire array was just incinerated. You know, they <laughs> yeah. they they don't just like blow up part of it so you can't use it. They say it's gone. <laughs> yeah, va- vaporized. Yeah, and I do I, I do appreciate the screenwriters in here in that we had a faint. There was a you know it, it, it's it seemed to go too much by the numbers. But again, this is following. As as most sequels do, there's a there's one story and then there's another story on top of it. And this story, this the plot of this movie has several feints built into it. And uh, I did like this feint that he figures out that it wasn't they they didn't have an opt- opportunity. They they gave them a, a, what they thought was a weak spot, but uh, it, it was obviously just a, a time waster for the the good guys. Yeah, because I think um, I think that I mean that was the plan. They knew that they have these five SWAT yeah. guys, so so. You know, of course, they're the ones who are, they're going to send to go, you know, to go take care of this. So why not? You know, we'll we'll, we'll let yep. uh, you know we'll we'll send a T one thousand there, and uh, you know, he he and yeah. his men will will be able to stop them. You know, I I, I wonder if, if I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this more next week. Uh, but you know, I wonder if Stewart had any inclination as to the fact that he might lose men in this type of thing, or he just feels. Okay, everything's a joke here. There, there's no way, you know, we're we're all getting out of this alive. Yeah, I mean, it, well, he was, uh, he had his priorities, and if there was collateral damage among his troops, I don't think he cared. It's it's very well. He was a, he was a, he almost killed one of his own men. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Miller 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 had that gun gun to his head, uh, you know, a half hour ago. So where, um, where did well, I guess this is a pointless question. <laughs> where did, where did McLean get the uh, the new um, sack of bullets for his uh, his pistol i i i didn't see where that came from did he just have pockets full or he he's all of a sudden reloading and it's like well, where did that come from um, well come on he's a cop who that he's got to walk around with with a whole bunch of uh of cartridges on him yeah at least a, at least a dozen i would think so far it just that's right, <laughs> he, must, that's right. he must clink when he walks down the, <laughs> the street <laughs> <from> drink, drink. <laughs> um but yeah very very impressive um wow yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so like I said, we, we see the fact that it's been vaporized. Uh, yeah. They give us a, a nice few seconds about it. And then Barnes looks completely uh, in shock and has no idea why, you know, what, what he's going to do now. I, I had this great plan. I was going to be able to stop everything. And now, oh, no, what has happened? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and John just takes a, a big sigh and goes, God. Damn, and he goes bait. You know he can't even get like like full sentences out. He goes yeah. bait, <laughs> and then he goes jerk us off, make Lorenzo sacrifice his best men, make you waste your time, time we don't have. You know, making making it sound a lot more uh, emotional with uh, yeah. with all the stuff while he's just sitting there on the ground and stuff like that. You know. Um, have you have you ever used bait? Bait like like fishing? Yes, lots of times. I've uh, I I'm actually one of my one of the, my earliest memories. My aunt and I used to live. Uh, my my aunt had a summer house in Seaside Heights, New Jersey, and she had uh, uh, we 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 go go visit, and uh, she had a a small uh, row like a, I won't say a rowboat, but it was it's just a small boat. That had one of those electric motors that you attach to a car battery, and then the, the electric motor would go out. We go out in the middle of Barnegat Bay, uh, off the coast of New Jersey. We go. I was about, I was either four or five years old, and we'd go out to uh, 
we'd go out to the middle of Barnegat Bay, and she'd pull out uh, one of those egg timers that you you twist and it goes tick 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 tick. You know, oh yeah, I remember this. Sure. Yeah. So um, and she had a she had cans of cat food that she bought at the uh, Shoprite supermarket because they were the cheapest things you could buy for bait. And she'd get these cans of uh, tuna cat food, and she'd pull out a Phillips screwdriver and punch about eight or ten holes in the uh, in the can. Put it inside of a, a small square cage that had a, a, um, a rope tied to a nylon rope. We throw it. She'd throw it over the side of the. And this lady was in her 70s. Understand? She'd throw it over the side. This little lady would throw throw this thing over the side, and we'd sit there. And my job was to turn the timer to uh, 10 minutes. So we'd set the timer to 10 minutes, and then we'd sit and talk and wait. And then after when the when the timer went ding, we'd pull the. Um, we pull the cage up out of the out of the bottom of the of Barnegat Bay, and it would be filled floor to ceiling with crabs, with little blue blue crabs, and uh, we'd take them back to her house, and she'd uh, she'd steam them all up, and then put them in her laundry room. She had a big dryer, and she'd put the she she'd stack the cooked crabs and put towels over the crabs, and then we'd have them for dinner. And to me, it was like crabs were like um, dandelions or something. They were they were free and they were everywhere and uh, I thought everybody, I thought everybody just had them, you know, it, it was like, it was like some kind of a snack that you, you just have av- <laughs> available. And then, you know, when I grew up and I, yeah, I moved, moved away, uh, I went to a crab house and they wanted like, I don't know, it was something like $17 for a crab dinner. I'm like, you're paying for crabs. They're in the, they're in the bottom of the, the, the ocean. You can just pick them up. <laughs> the ground. So, but uh, that's you know my one of my earlier memories from childhood is is baiting baiting for crabs with uh, Shoprite cat food. Oh wow! <laughs> um, wow. So uh, I don't I, I'm I'm sure that you can't do that nowadays. There's probably all kinds of um, laws uh, against regulations. It. <laughs> yeah, what you can what you can catch, what time you know what times of the year you can catch. But uh, I don't I don't think they'd be able to dissuade my aunt Alice from from doing that because it was <laughs> just some, right. something to do when you're at the beach. Okay, makes sense. I mean, the the uh, the definition that I got that I found for bait is bait is an appetizing substance used to attract prey when hunting or fishing, you know, like food in a mousetrap or something like that. But I, I like the yeah. fact that it that it meant that this is your appetizing substance because that's basically yeah. what Stewart is doing here. Also, you know, this was all bait. They knew that. I mean, th- these guys are really really smart. You know, because yeah. think about it. The the odds of them knowing well in advance that that Esperanza was coming, okay, are very slim. Meaning they had just a few days to put this together, right. you know, and to yeah. know that okay, this airport it's going to be at this airport, and this airport has this new uh, you know antenna array, and that's what people are that's what they're going to try and use, and therefore we need to get rid of that. So you know what a great way for us to take out anyone who might try you know, to, to be a fly in the ointment or a monkey in the rent, you know, yeah, and yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they could see, you know, they, they could, they, they, they were a couple of steps ahead. They could see what was, it's much like Hans Gruber did with the FBI knowing yes. their playbook. He, you know, they, they also knew the playbook of what was going to happen here. Even, even slight things like who would be available. How would they know about a snowstorm? What would, you know, what would be, uh, I mean, if, if you take away the, the aspect of the snowstorm, you could get, uh, you know, the military could could show up and and fight them in you know rapidly. Uh, there's there's delays in here, you know, or there, I think there's later on, or yeah, it was later on in this that they said that they'd, they'd be here in two hours and things like that. Although that was another feint. So, well, we'll get we'll get to that later. I'm exactly right, but, but 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 there's also the aspect, you know, of of setting up the whole part with with uh, Major Grant. You know, it's it's all yeah. there's there was so much preparation that that's needed. For something that they didn't have very much time to plan, like Hans Gruber could have planned the whole Nakatomi thing for for months or years, it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. You know, he said, "Okay." No, but this was right. Yeah, this was this was uh, the, the FedEx version. They just overnighted it. It's just here you go and ready to roll. That's right. Um, and and but, you know, to be able to yeah. get all the equipment that they needed to get, you know, wholesale, uh, you know, in order to yeah. to set it up at the church and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's. It's it's planned out very well on such a short, uh, uh, you know, timeline. Yeah, and when you think about um, uh, McLean having to go get the maps from the uh, the facilities guy, these guys Marvin, already had Marvin. maps of the place. That's yeah, right. Marvin. Yeah, getting 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 those maps. 
wow that you know it, it's like they obviously already had the plans knew where everything was knew what was going to to come out um but i have a question who who was smarter uh stewart or gruber who, who do you feel was a bigger um, that's that's a really good question because uh, I mean, but but I think the answer goes with what we just what we just mentioned. You know, Gruber had much more time to plan, so Stewart might actually be a little bit smarter. In unless he's not the the idea man or whoever decided on how yeah. to do this, you know, they might be smarter because on they were able to do this on a short term basis. They said, okay. This is what we need to do. Esperanza is coming. We're going to get millions of dollars from him. You know, we're going to all, you know, live out the rest of our lives, uh, you know, on some country with yeah. no extradition. On a, on a beach somewhere, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have three days to put it together, you know, or whatever it yeah. is. I, I would think that um, uh, the, the way I would class it is Hans Gruber is a better strategist, but uh, I think... Colonel Stewart is a uh, a better tactician. Right. He has he okay. has more options and he he could move he can move Plan B, C, and D into position if things go south. Correct. I, I think part of it also has to do with the difference between you know being a civilian criminal and being a military criminal. You know because yes. because with Han, with Hans we don't know how he got all of his men. You know it could be that they're mercenaries. It could be you know that they're people he's worked with in the past. It could be that that the entire you know, 12 men that were working with Hans were his set crew that every heist or whatever he did, they were the guys who went with him. I don't know. We'll, we'll never know because it's never really explained. Okay. Here, these are, are, are men that Stuart has uh, trained with and has worked with for, for years, you know, in special forces and, and knows who he can trust to put together, you know, on his team and knows who's going to listen to him and who's going to execute whatever needs to be done. And it's done with military precision. The, you know, yes. with, with Gruber, the, the, there's, there's very little military precision there. Yeah. Now, um, do you think that he already knew like the personnel involved? Like he knew about Trudeau and he knew about Carmine and it's like with their capabilities or lack thereof, do you think that factored into it or do you didn't care? Um, I don't think he knows about Trudeau. I have a feeling that he knows in general about Lorenzo, you know, because he knows that, okay, there yeah. is the DC, yeah, there, there is the, you know, the airport uh, police. I mean, they, they mentioned, you know, I think it was in the second or third week, the fact that he goes, yeah, the, the security here is a joke. Like we thought. Yeah. Yeah. You so know, meaning they, did, done, they did a might... little bit of reconnaissance and said, all right, this is a joke. We don't have to worry about it. We're, yeah. we're smarter. I mean, I, that's, that's usually yeah. the downfall of most villains in movies the fact that they think that they are the smartest person in the room and that nobody can think, uh, you know, nobody can think better than they can with how to plan things. Yeah. No. You know, and yeah, I, I agree. You know, but, but nobody Before expects it, it, John you McLean, know, you know, both, both Hans Gruber yeah. and, and, uh, you know, Colonel Stewart, who we never actually even find out his first name. He's just known as Colonel Stewart. They, they, I don't believe they ever maybe, mentioned his name. Maybe in the script they maybe mentioned Maybe that is it. his first name. Colonel. <laughs> maybe that's Stuart right. Stewart. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel. Um, wow. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, these are, it, it, all the diehard movies rely on tropes and turning the tropes on their side. Yes. So I, I think, uh, you know, the standard one of the, the guy, the, 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 the fly in the ointment uh, guy, it's, uh, it, you think we get tired of it, but it it always works because you're rooting for the underdog. Yes. Uh, although we know we know McLean's capabilities in here, so it's I think it's a little bit he's more difficult to write for because we already know that he's good at this. So you think it might have been better um, if it was someone not John McLean who needs to deal with this, like in the original book that this is based on? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it would I think it would be a lot better if if we didn't know, you know, if, if we didn't know the stakes that were involved, he or, we already know his capabilities. It's like watching James Bond movies. As, as you went on with the later James Bond movies, you understood that he's kind of walking through the, the plot and it doesn't, you know, it's not going to affect him. Right. Um, Which is what they tried doing in the, the, the latest one. You know, they tried changing yeah. things a little bit, but you know, as, as we know, that probably isn't, isn't really what's going to happen, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's okay. It's a good as you know, as you say, popcorn movie. Yes, it's just really for sure. It, it 
there for entertainment. You, you don't don't think too hard about these. No, things. of course not. Of course not. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, basically, this this whole dialogue of what John is is talking about here is is more exposition. You know, he's basically just, just yeah. telling he's telling the audience that okay, the whole idea here was for us to be bait. Lorenzo's men are going to be killed, and they're wasting. Uh, you know, he. I love how he says to Barnes that you're they're wasting your time. You know. Yeah. Not not everyone's time. Not that, you know, it's like okay, he's wasting the chief engineer's time because what else could the chief engineer be doing right now? You know, if 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 their if their whole plan is is so sound and they're able to 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 you know to cut off the the communication, then it doesn't matter what the, the chief engineer can go get. Uh, you know, can can go have dinner at this point. It doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> What the chief engineer could do is remember that there's radios in every one of the planes that are parked at the gate. But yeah, that that must have been. I, I keep thinking for 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 the production, and I I don't know if this was covered in the like the the commentary track on the DVD. But that the whole idea of being able to swallow or you know or put a blanket over the the thing that this could all simply be solved by a by an airplane radio from one of the one of the planes parked at the gate. Um, or you know, or the other thing of sending them all to uh, Tallahassee or somebody right. instead of DC. Um, but you know, we have to we have to assume those are the two things that we leave we leave out so that we can have the rest of this plot happen. Um, but still, it must it must have been very difficult to omit that from the story and still you know push the plot ahead so that people don't notice that. Oh yeah, why don't we just do that? But again, it's uh, as uh, you say, either you said it earlier or maybe we were talking about this offline. This is a movie that's written for people who don't know much about how airports and airlines operate. That's correct. Yeah, and 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 I think that's that's part of why a lot of uh, movies that 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 are not very plausible come across as being plausible because you know only people who are in the know of how things work will say, oh, they don't do it that way. You know, everyone else is like, okay, makes sense. <laughs> you know. The bad guys can change, yeah, yeah. Can change I'm, I'm, where the plane thinks the ground is and stuff like that. Sure, why not? You know, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure when uh, next next week my uh, my co-host uh, Hal Bryan is going to be on, and he has it's quite an aviation background, so I think he will be very twitchy while he's talking about uh, next week's minute. Yeah. So make sure everybody. Please tune in next week. Tune in that. every week, not just next week, but that one, that too. Yes, yes, please, yes. Continue, to continue all the way through. Wow. Exactly. So John is is already exhausted. You know, he's he's only forty nine minutes into the movie, but he's had enough, even after just one firefight. You know. And yeah, he's got a whole other hour. So it's, yeah. uh, I have. I, I'm trying to figure out when do you think John McClane last shaved. Uh, uh, did he get? Did he shave just before he went to the airport? Probably. Or, yeah, okay, it, because he was going to meet his wife. I was just trying to figure out he's he's awfully um, clean shaven, close shaven for that. Yeah, clean shaven for this time of day. Yeah, that's true. But uh, maybe he just stopped. You know, he he was at the in-laws' house and just did a did a quick run over with the uh, with the. Yeah, because he probably said to himself, "All right, you know, I haven't seen Holly in a few days. You know, she's gonna she's she's gonna say something." If if I'm not shaven, so you know, I might as well take the the five minutes, uh, you know, and just uh, quickly, you know, make myself look, uh, you know, a little bit more presentable. Maybe he knew that he was. Yeah. Maybe he maybe his original plan, even before the the car was towed, was is that he wanted to, you know, suggest to Holly that they help, they go have a romantic evening together. So you know, if that's the case, then okay, it makes sense for him to shave. Now, do you think he's a he's a one blade man or a a, a razor a, a shaver man? Like a, he has a Remington somewhere, or uh, is he like you know four track? What 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 would you think is a McLean shaving? No, style? I think I think he uses uh, a razor. That's what it looks like to me. Okay. Well, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it is a yeah. I think I think so. I think it's maybe a maybe a track two or something like that. Um, maybe uh, I'm guessing that he shaves in the shower. Just to save save a step, he shaves he, he shaves while he's in the shower and just uses like the shampoo, right? And <laughs> shaves, yeah, and you know just save save a step, get it all done. He he has, he it's he's he he doesn't buy a body wash, but he just uses shampoo for just everything. Right. It's just it's just in shave, lathers up, and he's all done, ready. If it works, why not? You know. Did, yeah. did you notice that as John is giving this ex exposition, as he's talking to Barnes, 
Lawrence actually uh, jerks backwards and is like shocked a little bit. Uh, if you look at yeah. like for the second forty-one, you know when John moves his gun, you see Barnes like yeah. jump backwards. You know, like uh, yeah. Well, with, well, he just he remembers that thing pressing between his you know between his eyebrows about uh, two minutes before. Yeah, it could be. So that that could be. So and then Barnes looks down and sees the the dead men. He sees one of the dead guys on the ground. Uh, as John is giving his uh, little exposition as to everything that happened here. And then uh, the shot changes, and we, we get to see Thornburg again. We haven't seen him for, for about, uh, actually, also about 30 minutes so far. Yeah. Uh, he, he's back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember you know, earlier in the movie, he was complaining about getting sent back to, uh, to coach. What this does not look like coach. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you're in a wide body. And he even got an aisle seat. That's right. Well, so, there's, only uh, two, yeah, there's only two seats uh, in, in, in the aisle, so. You know, in the middle yeah, section, yeah. there's only two uh, seats, so so everyone gets an aisle here. Yeah, I, I do have to point out that this is definitely the '90s, uh, the early, but it's I think the uh, the equipment's from the because early of the, 90s or the because 80s. of the headphones. The headphones, those headphones are acoustic headphones, not electronic headphones. It's basically two plastic straws that go into your ears. The uh, the speaker is built into the armrest, the bottom of the armrest. There's two tiny, kind of like the speakers that are on your phone. If you look at the bottom of your phone, they're about that big. And what they what they used to do to save money was you build these acoustic uh, headphones, and they uh, you'd plug the the one side of the straw into the armrest, and then you would literally pipe the sound into your ears <laughs> through those through those two pipes. Uh, yeah, I remember that the the. You know the the joint to 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 plug it in. Uh, it was it was you know they they didn't let you use your own headphones. You could only use right yeah, it, it, yeah. like I think it had like a I think it was like a figure eight that needed to be like pressed into. Yeah, there were two there were two like it was almost like a compression fitting. They had a, a small small uh, rubber rubber uh, adapter mm -hmm. on the on the back right. of it, and then you, you have to shove that in. And I just remember they were always. A little too tight when you put when you put them in your ears. They were a little tight and a little heavy, and they'd be like yanking on the bottom of your ears as if you're trying to watch it. When the in and the sound movie, the sound really wasn't that great either. No, no, it was either too loud or you couldn't hear anything. You had to crank up the sound to get over the noise of the plastic that was rubbing against your shirt, or you know, <laughs> and and all the aircraft noise. So just uh, I'm I, things I don't miss about the '90s. That would be yes. one of the, one of the things that maybe on page two. I understand. And and we see th um, you know they, they show Thornburg and then the the woman sitting next to him and then the two people behind them. All three of them are 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 you know listening to to their headphones. Yes, yes. And um, another another thing that's missing in this picture is they don't have those little. Um, the, the little paper doilies on the top of the seat. Right. So you're rubbing, rubbing your head against every other uh, head that's ever been, ever been on that that's chair. Right. Those, uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty grim in the sanitation yeah. department, but I guess it just for the purposes of this movie, they didn't really right. need it. And then we see that he starts to stand up and as he starts to stand up, that's where the, the minute ends. Yeah. So, all right. So yeah, um, Jim, do you have anything else you want to say about the, this minute? I mean, we'll we'll get we'll get more no, into no, Thornburg no, tomorrow. There's there's yeah we'll have yeah yeah to say I, about I, him I there. Yeah. yeah no it's uh it's it's a fun this was a an interesting minute lots of lots of exposition uh, really it was almost to the point where um McLean could have just turned to the camera and said said what he was saying to Barnes and just you know just start just start acting like uh, a narr you know he was acting as narrator for the show at this point this is when we found out that it was all that's right. Um, <laughs> Well, it wasn't a feign, but it was uh, it was a trap, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. Makes sense. Uh, but John is also the only one who realizes that the, that that particular area is perfect for an ambush, you know. Yeah. No one else thought about that. <laughs> hey, that looks like an ambush place. Wow. You know why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, yeah. This is a choke yeah. point. Uh -oh. Just just looking at the at, at the um, blueprints, John knew that. You know, he's he's a very yeah. sophisticated uh, detective. You know, because I'm I'm sure detectives. Yeah, I don't know what I'm was sure going detectives on and... quite often need to deal with, uh, you know, looking for places that are bottlenecks and that uh, you could possibly, you know, ambush. I don't know. Yeah, that 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 must come up all the time. You know, it's just uh, and he basically had the same job 
uh, I mean, where he came from was the same job that Dennis Franz had was, you know, writing traffic tickets and then get, you know, moving up to investigator. So, um, maybe, uh, maybe Dennis Franz's character will some, someday be the next McClane. Uh, we'll, we'll give him, we'll give him a few years. Maybe, maybe he'll move up to, to, yeah. to New York and, uh, yeah. you know, start doing some, some nude scenes. Doing the NYPD. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. <laughs> semi-nude scenes or whatever yeah yeah exactly um yeah um wow well yeah well this has been a a very yeah so the the script again with the rest of the week it's it's there isn't that much here but it it, there are a few minor differences so first it says mclean takes a long overdue breath then he picks up his pistol checks the bodies to make sure there are no surprises and goes over to barnes you okay the antenna array both look at it and then in a wide shot, the antenna array outside blows up, pieces shattering the glass window. McLean and Barnes duck, but they're too far away to be damaged. McLean slowly stands, bait, something to jerk you off. Make Lorenzo sacrifice his best men and make you waste time. So it's it's interesting that first he says, make you jerk off, as opposed to in the movie, it's make us. And, and then, you know, he says, make you waste your time. But then he continues and says something that's not in the script. He goes, time you don't have and then he looks up and says time they don't have you know looking at uh you know where the planes are in the in the in the sky and then it says uh interior of holly's plane thornburg on an inside aisle seat glances out the window and sees something and starts to rise so yeah so we're gonna have people have to come back tomorrow to find out you know what what happens with Thornburg? Yes. Why is he getting antsy in his seat in the airplane? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why? How how can he see what's going on uh, from <laughs> from eight seats away? No, not eight uh, seats away. We'll, but we'll only, find... only four seats no, no, away, but no. but they're they're very four, large yeah. four seats. You know. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Just like just like every other coach. Seat. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, Wow. Well, yeah. So, t- yeah. Tune in tomorrow. Yeah. Me. And uh, so every Thursday we have a segment called Aviation Thursday, where my guests will give their top five uh, movies that are somehow related to aviation, whether it's a plane, uh, whether it's on an airplane, whether it's in an airport, or uh, whether it's somewhere else higher in the sky. I mean, I, I know this must have been really difficult for you, Jim, because you know some of the movies that you've done, they're all aviation related. So I don't know how you're going to rank them, but you know, good luck on that one. Yeah, I don't. I I think I'm gonna have to go with no particular order because they're all my favorites. Um, they for different. So you're saying I should give everything a five? Them. Um, uh, let, let's go the one the one I would go with uh, the least number one, but still enjoy is uh, 2009's Up in the Air with George Clooney. Um, George Clooney is a fellow that goes around and uh, he conducts layoffs for a major corporation or he for major corporations he goes in to tell people how to how to do layoffs and he spends most of his time hopping from airport to airport and some of it is kind of a travelogue of how to survive in um in airports like if you're trying to get past the uh, tsa line fast look for single guys uh in business suits because they don't have anything and they already know the drill but if you see some family on vacation don't get behind them in line because you'll be there forever <laughs> and he is obsessed with racking up uh mileage points because after i think it's something like 10 million miles you have a pl- the plane is named after you and this is his whole goal in life but um he doesn't have much of a personal life um as someone who used to work in i, I mentioned my disaster uh, the other day about, about being in the air uh, i i did a lot of business travel in my working life and I could identify with George Clooney's character of all airports start looking the same after a while. And you you learn a routine of how to get in and out of an airport as fast as possible. So if you haven't seen the movie, I, I can strongly recommend it um, uh, up in the air in 2009. Um, after that, I would say another fascinating movie is uh, Pushing Tin. Um, Mike Newell's uh, movie, I'm trying to remember, it was back in the early mid to mid 2000s i think maybe 2004 or 5 um great film about uh air traffic controllers and uh has a certain amount of realism to it um about working at uh, what's known as uh tracon in 95 the uh the new york new york city uh, uh c- control center which is the, one of the busiest uh centers in the world and uh, dealing with a lot of pressure, a lot of people, you're looking at, you know, looking at a radar screen and knowing that there's thousands of people 
relying on your good judgment and uh, alertness every moment that you're on the job. Um, uh, great movie, John Cusack, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's in it, and uh, has some very funny moments. Uh, well worth well worth watching. Um, another back into the past, um, one of my uh, favorite uh, George Roy Hill movies, uh, The Great Waldo Pepper. Uh, it's a uh, it's a Robert Redford film about the barnstorming days between uh, World War One and World War Two. Um, the uh, the, the story follows Waldo Pepper, who was a World War One ace, came home, came home from the war. And uh, the only way he could make money was uh, doing air shows in uh, small, small towns and giving people rides. Uh, Susan Sarandon's in it. Uh, lots of incredible non CGI actual stunt work with people walking on the wings of biplanes up in the air. Uh, uh, there's so much stunt work in this. I, I can't I can't recommend a better film with live aviation, except for maybe the Rocketeer. But uh, the the amount of work that was done in the air with a camera and somebody really you know being out on the wing of a plane it, it's it's astonishing. I, uh, great Waldo Pepper, great film to show. Um, my uh, my top two uh, would be uh, from the Airport series. Uh, the uh, the original Airport which was arguably one of the first, you know, all-star disaster films. Um, I did, <laughs> I liked it so much. I did a podcast about it. Uh, Burt Lancaster, uh, and Dean Martin, uh, just an all-star cast, Helen Hayes, uh, fantastic, uh, story about, uh, a man who has uh, no reason to live and builds a, builds a bomb to, uh, uh, to blow up a, a movie, uh, a, a blow up a, a jet in the movie for uh, insurance <laughs> money to uh, to get something for his wife, played by Jean, uh, by uh, Maureen Stapleton, yeah. um, based on a true story from uh, 1962, uh, uh, loosely based, but uh, fa- fascinating, uh, fascinating story. A lot of ticking clock stuff. Uh, again, similar to Die Hard 2, there's a there's a massive snowstorm, uh, and uh, you know all different all different reasons it kind of uh from the grand hotel style of all these reasons that all these people wound up in the same plane uh with with all different stories there's stowaways there's um grizzled grizzled veteran pilots there's the new guy pilots and there's uh uh love affairs and all kinds of stuff. a lot of very soap opera-ish but well worth your time uh from 1970 uh ross hunter's airport so you see that uh Better for a different, well, a, a more exciting one for a different reason because of its hilarity is watching uh, Airport 75, the sequel to um, to the original Airport, uh, which much like um, m- much like Die, Die Hard 2 is to Die Hard. Airport 75 is kind of a, a pale Xerox copy of the original, but it's so silly. It's worth watching. Just try and keep your mouth from being a... Uh, constantly wide open watching some of the shenanigans going on the the plot of airport 75 is a 747 gets hit by a beachcraft plane in midair uh the beachcraft's flown by dana andrews uh in one of his last performances and uh unfortunately the uh the the crew on board gets uh, killed and the only one that can that that's able to fly the plane is uh, the stewardess who is, gosh, a woman, a woman flying a, flying a plane in 1975. Uh, so, and she's, her boyfriend is uh, Charlton Heston, who uh, decides that this woman can't fly a plane, and the only way they can save them is to ha- launch a rescue mission where they'd lower, uh, they'd lower Charlton Heston into the cockpit from, <laughs> from above with a helicopter to, to safely land the aircraft. Again, an all-star cast. Very funny movie. It's it. I can never tell, and I I've watched this movie dozens of times. I still can't tell if it's a parody or not. It just it's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, but lots of lots of quotable scenes. There's uh, uh, friends of mine uh, who I've watched the movie with. Uh, we we always use the phrase "climb, baby, climb," which is uh, uh, a scene from the movie. But I of uh, my top my top movie. If you're gonna if you're gonna be for sheer entertainment value, don't don't worry about things like realism or, or acting skills. Uh, but just for sheer entertainment, the popcorn level is, is up to 10 for the movie airport 75. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, I, I you've now convinced me to, to go rewatch uh, airport 75. I, I haven't seen it in a few years. 
but I will go go have fun watching it again. I, I've always enjoyed Airport 77. I don't think it's, uh, you know, one of the best uh, aviation movies around, but I always like the fact, you know, that uh, the plane is trapped underwater and, yes. you know, the slowly, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a little bit of a leak. There isn't like a big leak where everyone just yeah. gets completely drowned at the same time. You know, it just, it happens little by little, you know, so... So uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna actually you know go go rewatch both of those. You know you've you've yeah. Airport seventy nine. I have no desire to go rewatch that one. I think was terrible. Oh, no, that that's a one and done. That that one you say to yourself why? Well, you know why they made it because they had the they had the option to make it, but it was just dreadful. And George Kennedy was free, so why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, Airport seventy seven. Airport seventy seven. I think was. Uh, just so that uh, all those older actors could qualify for uh, hospitalization and medical benefits on the uh, on the uh, SAG plan for, uh, for yeah well actors. come on Jimmy Stewart needed it so why not you know makes yeah sense. yeah and Olivia De Havilland you know the whole oh gosh there's so there's so many people in that movie that's um, right <laughs> and it was and it was one of the few that was it was the only part of the airport series that was turned into a uh, a ride at Universal Studios there was a, a, a video that they. they they would show how to do stunt work and they'd put people from the audience into the movie where they oh, had to cool. slide down a slide into the water. So. Oh, wow. Very cool. All right. So Jim, you want to once again, tell people how they can find uh, Jim O'Kane. Yeah, you can uh, go to find Jim O'Kane at Jim O'Kane.com. J I M O K A N E.com. You can find all my podcasts, all my websites, all the things that I spend lots of time trying to get your attention. Uh, but uh, yeah, check check that out. We've got a lot of uh, interesting shows, uh, some of which you've been on, uh, Rob. So yeah, definitely check check out our our shows there. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a fun time on both Bullfinger and also on Silverado, and and I look forward to the yeah. next one, whatever it may be. You know, I just need to make oh, sure that I'm I'm on the ball to you know to to grab one of the slots. You know that that's. <laughs> But uh, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay! Yippee ki yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little village.